listening to First Church Charlotte. Brother Foster, Mikasa, Sukasa. Thank you, Pastor. Let's give it up to Jesus. Ghost is prevalent in the place today. Amen. Amen. What a great time we're having. What a great, powerful church this is. I love this place. I love the worship, the singing, the band, the singers. Uh, it, it is just phenomenal. And I thank God for your wonderful pastor and his wife, Pastor Nathan and Charla. What a great job they're doing and what wonderful leaders they are I, I, I love their their passion their love their 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 concern for others and I love this man's vision what a vision for this church for this community for this city it's it's absolutely beautiful and so you are so blessed. I don't have to tell you that. I know you already know that, but you're so blessed to have them uh, as your leaders. And I thank God for them. Go ahead. That's good. Give them honor. And this is, after all, we're still in October and it's Pastor Appreciation Month. There we go. Thank God. Thank God for our pastor, his wife, his family. Yes, yes, and welcome to our online campus. We're so glad you've joined us today, and then glad to see every one of you, our, our regular folks, our guests, and I just want to talk to you for a few moments today out of my heart, and we're going to call this Making the Trip But Missing the Journey. There's a children's nursery rhyme about a cat that went to London to see the queen. And when the cat returned home, she was asked what she saw in London. And she replied, I saw a mouse under the queen's chair. And some folks are like the cat. As they go through life, they miss the majesty of the moment they miss the majesty of the present uh, and they only focus on the facade and there's so many folks I've watched folks go through life I've helped folks go through life uh, and I've watched many of them that simply lived for themselves or they lived just for the day and, and, and they, they made the trip but they actually missed all the good things uh, that God had for them now I'm preaching to somebody today God's got some things for 
for you that he wants to literally blow your mind with. He wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something in your family. He wants to do something in your business. He wants to do something in your career that is just going to boggle your brain. And I don't want you to miss it. Paul and I got on a plane quite some time ago and a lady boarded behind us and she was just kind of silently weeping as she walked by maybe set three or four rows uh, behind us across the aisle and then as the plane uh, began to run down the runway she began to cry uh, uh, visibly and noticeably and, and make loud noises with her crying and then as the plane began to uh, reached the airborne stage, she began to wail. And it was very obvious that she was in her first flight and she was scared to death. And I looked back and uh, because she was wailing, I mean, she was, she was carrying on and I looked back and she was trying to balance herself. She had her arms in the air, her feet in the air, just wailing and crying, feeling like if she could stay balanced on that seat, she could keep the plane in the air. And I, I, I laughed. I didn't, I didn't, she didn't see me, but uh, pastor, it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> And so I laughed and prayed. I prayed for her too. <laughs> and uh, when, the, when they turned, when the, when the pilot turned the fastened seatbelt light off, uh, there was another pilot that was flying three or four rows in front of us. He was in uniform. And he, he slipped out of his seat and went back and knelt down beside her and patted her leg. And he said, he said honey, ma'am, ma it's going to be okay. It's, it's gonna, I do this every day. He said, I, I'm a pilot. And that was the wrong thing to say. She said, you're the pilot. What are you doing here? Ah! <laughs> it accelerated. She was making the journey, but she was definitely missing the trip. Uh, many years ago, I got on a, another plane, and, and as... Uh, as I sat down, I wanted to take a nap. I sat down and a little lady was coming down the aisle and she tapped me on the shoulder and said, young man, I'm, uh, I think I've got that aisle seat. She said, I, or that, that window seat. She said, I especially chose a window. And I let her in and, and tried to take a nap and she kept talking. So I talked to her and she told me, this is my first flight. Have you ever flown before? I said, yes, ma'am. And in my mind, I thought, I just want to take a nap. <laughs> That's what I want to do. God, would you ever leave me alone? And, uh, and you know, you can miss some God moments too, like that. And so she kept talking. I talked to her. We, we got airborne, and she was looking at everything and seeing things down below, and she was so excited. And the flight attendant brought peanuts by, and she asked, how much are they? And she said, they're free, and she just poked me. She said, young man, the peanuts are free. Can you believe this, how great this is? <laughs> And then they brought Cokes, and, and I mean, she went into ecstasy because the, the Cokes were free. She couldn't believe it. And I realized, for a long time, I've been flying everywhere, and I have been 
making the trip, but I've been missing the journey. And that's what's happening to some folks even in this house today. God has so much more for you than you have ever dreamed of. And we want to make uh, the trip definitely, but we don't want to miss the journey. From the legends of the Taj Mahal comes the fascinating story. The favorite wife of the Mughal emperor died. Now, if I called Paula, this is my sweetheart. We've been married for 50 years. She's a beautiful lady God has blessed me with. And if I called her my favorite wife, I would die. <laughs> she is my wife, my lovely wife. My one and only wife. <laughs> and, uh, but the, but the, the emperor was devastated by her death. And he resolved to honor her by constructing a magnificent temple that would serve as her tomb. And her coffin was taken out to a parcel of land. Uh, and it was laid there on that land. And construction of the temple began around it. And absolutely no expense was spared to make her final resting place absolutely magnificent. And the week, the days turned to weeks. And the weeks turned to months. And one year turned to two years. And the emperor was walking across the construction site one day, uh, enjoying the beauty. Of, of what was being constructed and he bumped into an old, dirty, dusty wooden box and he looked at someone and said, hey, let's, let's do away with this and, and, and they did and, and, uh, and then later upon completion of the temple, they began to look for his wife's coffin only to discover that it had been thrown away and now forgotten beneath layers of dust, trash, and time. And the temple was erected, but the one intended to be honored was forgotten. And so we have gathered on this Sunday morning, and there are two distinct groups of us uh, that are here today. There are those who only see the temple. What beautiful facilities we have here. This building, that building next door on, on this beautiful corner. But there are those of us uh, that see the one that we are here to honor. The one who died for us. Uh, there are the temple gazers and there are the savior seekers. Uh, the temple gazers don't mean to be bored. They love the church. It's programs uh, they love the pastor. They love the people. But the one that they plan to honor, just ha they haven't really seen him in a while. They are just making the trip of life, but they're missing the journey. But those who have seen him and those who have been with him cannot seem to forget him. We brush the dust away from the tomb, from the empty tomb. The temple gazers and the savior seekers, you'll find them on the same pew. You'll find them in the same church. One sees the structure and says, what a great church. The other sees the savior and says, what a great Jesus. Uh, the destination, brothers and sisters is very important but God wants us to understand that the Christian life is a whole lot about the journey. Yeah. 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 Woo! Amen. 
And so, as you're making this journey today, you've got to understand that I want to, to see Jesus in every phase, in every aspect of my life. And so my, my longing for you and my prayer for you is that you would see Jesus today. But you wouldn't just see him today, but you would see him tomorrow on the job. You would see him tomorrow at the university. You would see him tomorrow in the home because he has so much for you. Now, I understand and I know that life can bring so many unexpected things to us. And it was probably that way for Naaman in this book right here. At first, in, in this very unique story, it was probably nothing more than a curious little patch on his neck, a sore that wouldn't heal. And it's ridiculous, it's absurd that something so small should suddenly signal the end to a grand career, yet that's exactly what it did. Go with me to Second Kings 5 and 1. Now Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife and said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. Yeah. But he was a leper. That little three-letter word that can loom so huge in my life. Before that word, everything was grand. Everything was glorious. Uh, he was a mighty man, a valued soldier, commanded one of the world's greatest armies. He was an honored and trusted counselor. And he was a leader touched by God, but he was a leper. And so here's, I want to give you four points. Number one, listen to God. Make sure that you are hearing God in your life. There are voices, many voices that cry for my attention, many voices that are speaking to me every day. But if there's one voice I need to hear, Pastor, it is the voice of God. I want to hear the voice of God. For you see, when I'm left with the dread, with the gloom of the bad report, when there is no answer seemingly when events have crashed in to my life and it changes absolutely everything I've got to understand that the God of time and eternity is neither surprised nor shaken by the events that crash in to my fragile time bound life 
We were speaking yesterday. We were visiting over a meal with your pastor and, 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 and his wife, and they mentioned when cancer came calling and crashing into his life. And what a unique story. What a unique story. Because God had a plan. That's right. You've got to understand that when trouble comes, it doesn't matter what the trouble is in your life, God has a plan if I can just follow him. And we don't have time to go into this story, but he would have never been back to Charlotte. He would have never been the pastor of this great church had not cancer come crashing and kicking his door down. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're in despair. I'm talking to somebody right now. You don't understand, but I'm telling you, it's time to listen to God. It's time to open your heart up to God. It's time to say, okay, God, I'm ready to hear your voice. I'm turning the other voices off. The problem is we don't always recognize the voice of God, the grace of God, the answer of God when it arrives because we can be so upset or so troubled and shaken by our circumstances or we're so caught up in what we're doing that we miss the small, gentle methods that God uses to speak grace and peace and healing into our lives. And Naaman's answer came through the voice of hope and healing of a little foreign slave girl. She said, oh, I would God that my master could go see the prophet in Samaria. And Mrs. Naaman made sure that message got to Naaman. There was something about the faith of this little maid, this little child. There was something about her faith that resonated with Mrs. Naaman. And she made sure the message got to Naaman. And Naaman listened to the voice of God. God speaks in so many ways. And he spoke through this little slave girl. And eventually the distinguished general arrived at the humble prophet's door in Samaria. And Elisha's neighborhood had never seen a mightier man, a greater entourage, a more awesome chariot. And no doubt everyone edged closer to look. Verse 9, so Naaman came with his horse and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and angry and went away and said, Behold, I thought... He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus? 
better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Number one, listen to the voice of God. Number two, seek wise counsel. That is so important. Dusty and Ashley, great to see y'all. They're from our church in West Monroe, and now they belong to y'all here in Charlotte. From Louisiana, look at those kids waving at me. Great to see them. Turn to somebody and say, seek wise counsel. Look at somebody else and say, don't forget to seek wise counsel. Now look at somebody and say, hey, don't get your advice off Facebook. The keyboard commandos know everything. They're experts. But here's what Naaman did. Naaman took the counsel of servants. And the love of these servants shows you what kind of man he was, what kind of leader he was. They went to him. They risked their reputation. They risked more than that. They risked their life. And they said, look, this is what you need to do. And so I'm preaching to somebody. It's time to seek wise counsel. Because you know what Naaman said? Naaman said, I thought the man of God would have done this. And somebody here has said those very words. Well, I thought God would have done this. Or I thought pastor would have done that. I thought somebody else would have done this. And it's time to quit leaning on your own understanding, the Bible says. And it's time to start leaning on God. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God's thoughts are not your thoughts, the scripture says in Isaiah. And God's ways are not your ways, the Bible says. His ways and his thoughts are high and above mine. And so I have got to listen to God. I've got to seek wise counsel. But the response was up to Naaman. And so that brings us to number three. If you will listen to the voice of God, and if you will seek wise counsel, then more than likely, number three, you'll make right choices. Life is simply made up of the sum total of my choices and decisions, either good or bad, and they all have consequences. 
I'm in my 15th year of chaplain the West Monroe, Louisiana high school football team, a prolific football team. And I speak to them on Fridays, usually at 2.45, 15 minutes before their pregame meal. And every Friday, I remind them, guys, life is simply made up of the sum total of your choices and decisions. Uh, yeah, make good choices during practice. Make good choices on Friday nights during the game. But make right choices on Saturday as well. I'm preaching to somebody right now. It's time to it's time to hear God. It's time to seek wise counsel and it's time to make right choices. You see, the response was up to Naaman. He could thunder back to Syria in a royal rage and preserve his dignity. But that would leave him sitting in a darkened apartment outside of Damascus, uh, alienated from his family as he watched his flesh crumble away. Or he could humble himself. He could drop his stinking pride. And he could accept the salvation of the Lord. He almost let uh, the distractions of the trip keep him from the joy of the journey. But he came up uh, on that seventh dip. uh, And that leads us to point number four. And that is give it all you've got. Uh, The prophet said dip in the muddy Jordan seven times. Uh, And so he dipped once, uh, twice, but he kept on dipping. He said, I'm giving it all I've got. And that seventh time, pastor, when he came up out of the water, his skin was as soft uh, and pure as a baby's skin. And that leprosy was gone. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God knows your name. God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through. And he's here today to bring healing. He's here today to bring deliverance. It's so important. And Naaman learned that God has the answer. And I'm preaching to somebody that Jesus is walking the carpet in this beautiful edifice this morning. And he's here to do something for you. He knows where you are. He knows where you've come from, where you've been. He knows where you're going. And he knows the trial, the dilemma, the circumstances, the situation that you're in right now. And I'm telling you that Jesus is everybody's everything. And Jesus is here to help. He rules over Satan. He rules over death. He rules over hell. He is the peacekeeper. He is the problem seeker. He is the miracle worker. He is the heart mender. He's my provider. He's my supplier. He's my shepherd. He's my song. He's my sword, my shield. He's the healer of all my diseases, the forgiver of all my iniquities. He's holy. He's highly exalted. He's merciful. He's majestic. There's nothing too hard for him. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the captain of our salvation. He's altogether lovely. And Jesus is his name. Herod couldn't kill him. Learn men couldn't baffle him. Lobbyists couldn't bribe him. And the Pharisees couldn't trick him. 
Pilate couldn't touch him. The devil couldn't budge him. The cross couldn't keep him. And the grave couldn't hold him. There's no sickness today that he cannot cure. He's bigger than AIDS or Alzheimer's, arthritis or anorexia, bulimia or bursitis, cataracts or cancer, depression or diabetes, emphysema, epilepsy, hepatitis or heart disease, melanoma, migraines, meningitis, or anything else. The Bible still declares by his stripes we are healed. And he knows where you are. Our musicians are coming. Why don't we stand together right now? And he's ready today to do something for you. There's power in receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's power in being baptized in the precious, mighty name of Jesus. And what he's telling you today is it's time to lay everything at his feet. It's time to lay it down. Hebrews 12 and 1, wherefore seen we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us, turn around to somebody and say, let us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Look at somebody and say, you've got to lay it down. If you'll lay it down, he'll take it. And so he's in this place today and he's doing something for you. He's here for you right now. The moment may never be perfect. The time may never be just right. But there's no better time than right now. And there's many various and sundry needs in this house today. And so if you have a spiritual need, if you need the Holy Ghost, if you need to be baptized, if you need a renewing of the Holy Ghost, or if you just need to draw closer to Jesus, if you have a spiritual need. Number two, if you have an emotional need, if there's something in your background Maybe it happened when you were a child and you've never been able to get over it. You've never been able to get around it. He's here to answer today, now. If you have a relational need, maybe a relational need with a spouse, maybe with a child, with a parent, with, with other family members, maybe with friends, or maybe there's a, a need on, on the job, some relationship that needs mending. Number four, if you have a physical need in your body. And number five, if you have a financial need, and that covers it all. Number one, if you have a spiritual need. Number two, if you have an emotional need. Number three, if you have a relational need. Number four, if you have a physical need. And number five, if you have a financial need. If you have any of those needs, and that covers every need that we could have, I want you very quickly just to step out from where you are right now, and I want you to come stand here, and I want you to bring it to Jesus, uh, and I want you to lay it down.
push in a little closer and spread out if you don't mind. That's that's beautiful. Push in a little closer so there's room for others that are still coming. This is beautiful. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.